This is Just a Few Questions from Chicago. I'm your host, Mark Sims, and I have Sharonda Not Dawson on the phone. She's an education blogger. How you doing, Sharonda? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, I love. No, I won't go into that. Listen, the t- uh-huh. tell the listeners. I was reading this today. Your stuff. Tell the listeners that great story about your high school teacher and Tony Morrison. <laughs> okay, so this is this is great. Uh, and just for context, um, I grew up in Chicago in Uptown, which is this really diverse community. Um, and so I, you know, had been around different people my whole life from all over the world. And my mom decided to go back to school to get her Ph.D. And she went to Arkansas, to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, and at that time, it was 98% white and 2% everyone else, right? So just very, very different than um, the north side of Chicago. And we had, um, you know, the, the courses, and I, I took a class on in English literature, and I was talking about Toni Morrison and was told that um, I didn't understand it correctly, um, and and basically that because I didn't center whiteness in her relationship with with um, the the wider white world that I was doing it wrong. And that's one experience. And I think I, I write about another experience that traumatized me even more as I took um, AP governance and politics. I've always loved politics. And we had a teacher, I had a teacher, I'm not going to say her name, um, who told us to, she started the lesson like this. I swear, that's how she started it. She said, name three things that you hate. And she said, I hate peaches because I don't like the fuzz. I hate um, spring because I have allergies and she hates something else. And then she said, can the government pass a law to make me like those things? And we're like, no. She's like, well, that's what they did with civil rights. And that's how she started the civil rights thing. Uh, now, wait, 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 wait. Was this in Arkansas, too? Now that one the town Fayetteville was Scotty Pippen. Yep. Scotty Pippen went to school right there. Didn't he go to Fayetteville? Who? Scotty Pippen. No, no, no. There's no black people in Fayetteville. Um okay. not a lot. Oh. <laughs> he was in Arkansas though, he is. Um he was at UCA maybe? No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I know Arkansas. I'm going far afield, but I gotta ask, is Fayetteville near Walmart? Was that Bentonville yeah. or Rogers? So that is the it was I think it's different now. I, I was there in the nineties. Um, but at that time I went to school with the Waltons. Kids, Tyson's Chicken was headquartered there. JB Hunt, the truck, the truck company, um, and so this is very affluent, um, white conservative people in in this in this town. You know, we didn't have BET, we didn't have a black radio station. Um, you know, kids had BMWs that they were driving to school. It just was a completely different world. Um, racially and economically from what I had been used to. But the hardest part was the political difference, like I said. And so she, you know, this teacher in a class told us the things that she hates and that the government can't make us like things that we hate. And she made a list and said things that are good for black people, or people that are good for black people. And it was Colin Powell and J.C. Watts, and the people that were bad for black people were Jesse Jackson, Farrakhan, and Al Sharpton. 
This was on the test. <laughs> wait, wait, this was on the test? Yes. Ouch. In a, in a public, in a public school? In a public school. Jeez. And, we, and so she went through this thing, and I've been politically active, and my mom has been politically active. Like, I was getting signatures for Harold Washington at, like, six or seven at Jules. You know, so, like, I've been doing politics my whole life. And so I was like, what the hell is this woman talking about? And I challenged her on it, and she got upset. She also talked in the class about how the laws can't um, make black people and white people get along, and that she has a mammy, a mammy, that had been in her family for the past five generations. Their families had been taking care of her family. She called her her mammy, and that she loves her more than anything. And the and if they pass laws like civil rights laws, then that causes friction between her and her mammy. <sighs> I need to go lie down. Can I go lie down now? The process, right? Jeez. It's it's so. <laughs> Like repeating it now is so unreal, and I knew it was unreal at the time, you know. And I went and I actually told the principal, and I was just like, "Wait, this this woman's out of pocket. Like, this is the most racist thing I've ever heard." And um, at that time, she came in, and what she did was she was like, "Well, Sharonda is late for class every day," which I was. Um, Sharonda misses classes sometimes, which I did. Um, and it just all this other stuff that her behavior, she's really combative. And I said, even if all of that's true, that doesn't change what she said about black people. You know, and it was at that moment that there was a real, I guess, shift in terms of education advocacy and understanding how important it was to have teachers who, um, one, aren't racist and use stuff like mammy and tell you that, you know, you're reading Tony Morrison wrong, but also that we, we educate our own children, you know, to know enough to stand up when they are hearing things that are wrong. Because there was another black girl in that class, and she didn't have a problem with it. She was just writing down the notes, you know, just absorbing what this lady said. Um, and 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 that was, a, that was a moment that shaped me, going to school in the Bible Belt in the South, high school and part of my college shaped who I am and how I understand the world. Um, and it doesn't mean that now that I'm in Chicago, there isn't that same racism. Obviously the teachers are probably going to say, mammy, they're not going to do that, but there'll be other, you know, more nuanced Maybe, ways. Like I call them, I call them liberal. They're liberal, but they're very paternalistic. Yeah. And it just, it's just a different racism. You know, like I really try when I talk about racism and write about racism to um, segregate uh, white liberal racism, because I think that it's its own unique kind of world, um, and the way that it comes out and the way that you deal with it is very different than, you know, Southern white people who have Confederate signs. You know, they, they hide it a little bit differently. Um, and so both are, but both have the same impact on black people, right? It's not like black people in Chicago are doing better or than black people in, in the South. You know, we're still being oppressed. It's just the methods that people are using to oppress us are different. So we need to be hip. I can't believe I'm using the word hip, but we have to be 
hip <laughs> to both strategies against us. You know, hip is a very professorial word. You can use that. The, oh, okay. I, I think I've written, uh, I'll, I'll link, I'll put a link to one or two of your, at least one, if not two of your articles at the bottom of this uh, this podcast when people see it, uh, when they you know, see the podcast. But because you've written about white liberals. Uh, we're in the north, yes. and uh, and uh, they. I uh, do. You think most? I mean, they're good people. I, I, most of my, you know, most teachers are white women. We know this in, in uh-huh. America, and they're good people. They mean well, but do they uh-huh. know? Some of them really know they're racially racially insensitive or uh, paternalistic. Do they know that? And and that's the thing is, honestly, I don't think it matters if you're a good person. Like that's that's irrelevant. Your actions are what matters, right? So. Um, what what your intent was is is secondary to me to what the actions are. So if you are harming black students and black people, um, then you are participating in racism, and it doesn't matter how friendly you are or nice you but, but, are. But I'm right? saying some people don't know they're being uh, they're being a bigot. They're being insensitive. They're not. Yeah, they they think they're woke, but they really are not woke. How do you tell and, you somebody know, that? And I, I struggle with this because I think we we let them off the hook. Like the bar is so low for because because of the history of enslavement and of Jim Crow that the bar for being a good white person is so low that we're like, as long as you don't say nigger, you're probably good, right? Like, and so it's like no, it it takes so much more than, than, it's not easy, you know? Like, we're living in a system that is based off of structural uh, institutional racism. Um, we have um, white women who are majority of the teachers at school sending our kids to um, the principal's office and feeding the school-to-prison pipeline that aren't um, diagnosing um are not providing services that kids need that have disabilities, um, that they are over um, punishing uh, black girls and black boys. These aren't, you know, like your personal, you being nice to me is irrelevant if what you're doing in the classroom is causing harm to my community, and it is. So you can be mean to me, but... Let's talk about changing these systems and changing, and and part of that is being aware of it, right? Like part of it's saying uh, it's calling it out, and that's something that I've struggled with the past two years, is because I think most black folks are, in order for us to survive, we have to kind of go around white people's feelings, right? We can't be because they can take away our jobs, right? They can take away stuff from us. They can harm us if we aren't careful. And so that's ingrained in us. Um, but as we progress, as we we get more rights, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to pretend. Like, if you're doing something racist, I'm gonna say it's racist. Now, and not only am I gonna say it's racist, I'm gonna leave it up to you to deal with the emotional fallout of that. Right. Like you can take it however you want. That's not my job to comfort you. Well, let me uh, let me chime in here and tell you my story. And then I'm going to have you fin- you can finish out the podcast with a little closing comment because you are absolutely right. I was just listening to you because you're just a great 
storyteller. Uh, I, I had a, I had oh, a black teacher in 1967, you know, uh, 67, 68 for kindergarten and a black teacher in first grade. And I had a white teacher in, thir- in uh, second grade. And this woman, as I remember, this is 50 years ago now, she couldn't handle the class, black boys, all that kind of stuff. And this woman, it wasn't, I, I don't blame her. I blame her, her and the system. I, I learned nothing in second grade, so I, I struggled the rest of the way in school. And eventually, dropped out forty years ago. Dropped out of high school forty years ago. That woman put me on a path to educational hell. And yeah. but guess what? I say that about me fifty years ago because that's going on right now in twenty twenty. So close Every out, close out the show. Day. Yes. Go ahead. I was just going to say, no, it's happening every single day. And so once we understand that, it becomes less important. Um, white people's feelings. So there's that great book about white fragility um, that goes on and talks about like how dangerous it is for us to um, center white white feelings and how there is no progress that gets done that way, and especially for black men, right? Like if a white woman cries or you make her cry, that's very dangerous. That's you know that's dangerous for you because then people want to protect her because of all of these you know racist stuff that we have in there but in the day it's like i i love black people and i love black i want us to be okay so we need to address this we need to talk about implicit bias we need to see why is it that you guys are suspending three and four year old black kids from school for behavior issues why are you arresting seven-year-old kids which is happening you know why are you having the police come to pick up seven-year-old kids at, at school um because that has long-lasting effects right and and it's 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 not okay and it's or it's past the i i feel like we're past this time of assuming goodwill it's like no now it's time for action and accountability because you you know no no more arresting seven-year-old boys all right. No more. No Sar- more of that. Sarana, <laughs> Sarana, uh, not Dawson. I have to stop this show. It's been so good. I didn't want to stop it. Can you come back okay. later this year and talk about some other stuff and and this depressing topic also? <laughs> yeah. Can you come on back? I will. I will. And thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs>